Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to this Middle East Centre event, this book launch. Uh, we're delighted to welcome our colleague and old friend of the centre, Genghis Chandar, to speak and, and launch his book on Turkey's mission impossible, war and peace with the Kurds. Uh, so welcome to you, Genghis. My name is Robert Lowe. I'm the Deputy Director of the Middle East Centre. And I also co-convene a series, a Kurdish study series, um, of which this event forms part. So we're delighted to be able to present, have uh, Genghis present his, his research to you today as part of that. Uh, we also have a publication series running with IB Taurus, uh, which I commend to you. And there are a number of interesting works coming out um, as part of that lineup. So please look out for those. That was part of today's event. Uh, Jengas will speak for around 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, he's already said he's aware, well aware people will nod off after about 20 minutes, so he'll keep it tight to that to keep this event uh, sharp and fresh. And then we will move to the Q&A and we, uh, we warmly welcome your questions. Please, um, at any point, type your question into the Q&A box at the bottom of your screen. Uh, please use the Q&A box and not the chat box. The event is being recorded um, and it will also be live streamed on Facebook. And if you'd like to tweet about the event, please do so using the hashtag at LSE Middle East. Um, a very warm welcome then to Jengis Chandar, who is a distinguished visiting scholar at the Institute for Turkish Studies at Stockholm University. He is, of course, a very well-known journalist and scholar um, and a leading expert for many years on the Middle East in Turkey. As President Turgut Özil's advisor in the 1990s, Cengiz was the main architect of the Turkish-Kurdish Rapprochement Initiative. Um, he is here today to present and promote his, his wonderful new book, This Great Tome, Turkey's Mission Impossible, which Lexington Books recently published. Um, it's, I've been through it myself, it's an incredible read um, for the depth of the analysis, but also the the remarkably personal involvement um, of our speaker in the, the activities he describes. He notes that he's been working on this for 47 years. He's been involved in the subject, which is quite humbling to think somebody has been involved personally and um, professionally for that length of time. Um, so there are lots of interest to share with us. Um, I give the, the floor now, or indeed the screen to you, Cengiz. Thank you very much for joining us and over to you. Well, I think LSE Middle East Center for having me uh, for this opportunity. Um, the, I don't know why, but I have very strong emotional, sentimental affiliation to LSE Middle East Center for good reason. I'm sure about that. And so the, 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 it's, 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 a, it's a real pleasure for me to be with you. And, and Rob, uh, after uh, the uh, couple of uh, years of uh, interval that seeing you here and uh, I'm really honored that you will be moderating this, this undertaking. Um, actually, the, the book has a longer name than uh, Robert Law uh, introduced. It is, its name is Turkey's Mission Impossible, comma, War and Peace with the Kurds. So that's why it's, the, it's a mission impossible, both war and both, and also peace with the Kurds are kind of impossibility uh, for Turkey. Uh, either um, the, any achievement through war or, or, or peace looks impossible for Turkey and it's an ongoing conflict. And the timing for this um, uh, uh, book launch, uh, we had this date in our mind because um, the, the, actually the book is published last year 2020, and the, the unlucky part of the uh, affair was um, it coincided with the zenith of the pandemic. So it was very difficult to find the book in the bookshops where people are not uh, going anymore to bookshops to confine their homes and, and, and accept the, the uh, very high price the book has which I am told that the academic um, the publishing houses put high prices, which was not my uh, intention at all, because I want the, the book has to be read, not to be uh, in, the, in the bookshelves of the prestigious library, libraries of the United States of America. 
Nevertheless, I'm told that I was told that it would it would have a paperback edition, which would be much cheaper for the audience to reach the book, and so it would be on 15 September. So it is postponed to to 15 October, and when we have decided for this date to to launch this. Book launch actually uh, uh, the, regarding the book. It would be very timely uh, with the date of publication of the paperback edition, but it is again uh, postponed. Now it will be 15 November next month. Uh, so we are nearly uh, three weeks to the uh, publication of the book. Uh, another point in terms of the timing that uh, the, which makes the book uh, perhaps uh, the, uh, appealing uh, to read and to debate, uh, to discuss on is that um, the, the, it's, it seems that uh, the uh, imminent Turkish military incursion into Syria against the Kurds are being prepared. Um, the, Turkey had been, as the book um, underlined in, in several instances, uh, that it had undertook uh, three uh, military incursions into Syria. Uh, the first one is 1916, the second one is 1918, and the third one was in 19, uh, 2019, uh, I said what, 2016, 2018, and the third one was in um, uh, October 2019, uh, about three years, uh, uh, two years before today. So uh, now we, we, we might be expecting uh, a fourth one, a daring one, which could create uh, havoc uh, in northern Syria, uh, and it, uh, it might create uh, problems with the international system, including the United States, which has a military presence there. Uh, the, uh, sponsoring the, the uh, Kurdish autonomous region and Kurdish forces that Turkey declares as uh, its enemies uh, and terrorists. And also uh, perhaps uh, the, it could uh, entail some frictions between Turkey and Russia, but nevertheless, because of the domestic problems, the, the, the main decision maker of today's Turkey President Erdogan is having nowadays in Turkey. It will not be surprising to see the ambitious military intervention into northern Syria territory against the Kurds, which would coincide with the publication of the paperback edition of the book. So. <clears throat> The Kurdish issue in uh, relation to Turkey will again come up into the international agenda, perhaps, and uh, they will make uh, the debate uh, regarding the substance of the book uh, uh, relevant. So the, as an author uh, who had also in the book uh, the, uh, propounded the idea that it is no more Turkey's Kurdish question, the Turkey's Kurdish question is intertwined with Syria's Kurdish question. So Kurdish question is much more, uh, much, uh, it has much uh, the broader uh, the, uh, magnitude than it is used to be treated by some experts. Uh, uh, so uh, in a sense, if uh, the Turkish uh, military intervention takes place in Syria, uh, the relevance of the book will be uh, better for the author. Of course, I'm not really wishing for that, and, um, thinking of the, the consequences such a military uh, intervention against the Kurds in Syria uh, might bring about. So uh, with this opening, I can uh, uh, express uh, what the book's objective was. Uh, the, it, it was an ambitious book, actually, in a sense uh, uh, that it, it had to be a, a relevant, uh, a relevant uh, reference book mm -hmm. on the Kurdish issue for generations to come. 
So uh, the, as uh, Rob in his introductory statement uh, already had mentioned that I was kind of uh, privileged to, to write this book because of my involvement with the issue. So the, in the introduction also, I, I wrote the, the referring to Eric, late Eric Hobsbawm for some, uh, the greatest historian of the, the 20th century, the British historian, well-known British historian. In, his, in the preface of his autobiography, Interesting Times, he referred uh, the, uh, the, one of his books, the, the, the Age of Extremes, the short 20th century. He wrote that I think it benefited uh, the, from the fact that I wrote about it not only as a scholar, but as what the anthropologists call a participant observer. So I also wrote this book, uh, Turkey's Mission Impossible, uh, P uh, War and Peace with the Kurds, as a participant observer. So it's not only a book of uh, uh, with academic uh, the substance, with the analysis of the issue, but also it's full of anecdotes and the, as being a participant observant uh, with uh, nearly half a century of background to the issue. And also the, the, as a journalist, uh, I have been on the field so many times all over the Middle East uh, re relating the Kurdish issue and writing a book um, the, with the ambition of uh, writing a the reference book for generations to come, you don't uh, keep that journalistic rule being off the record. So there is nothing off the record in the book. All the off the records that I had uh, piled as a, a journalist during the long years are in the book and adding the, 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 the attraction of the book when it would be Read, I hope. Um, so uh, 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 the book um, uh, also uh, in, in terms of uh, the, the, the <clears throat> uh, substance, uh, what it is uh, searching, uh, uh, again in the, in the introduction, the, the, I made a reference to another British, Japanese, the, the, the British uh, writer who uh, became a Nobel laureate in the year 2017. Uh, the, and I wrote that although this, the book is by no means a literary work, I found many commonalities between my book and Kazuo Ishigoro's novels. His novels, for example, often times and without a resolution, often times and without a resolution, and the issues that these characters confront are buried in the past and they too remain unresolved. So this book does not offer any sort of resolution to the, the decades old uh, uh, Kurdish question. And, uh, the, and if uh, when the book is read in its conclusion, uh, uh, re referring to the uh, Zygmunt Bauman's um, the, uh, liquid times, the age of uncertainty. The, the, I believe that the, 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 the future of the Middle East, which the Kurdish question is very much embedded with, is full of uncertainty. So I refrain from making any kind of uh, uh, forecasts or uh, bring about some uh, the proposals how the questions. Uh, has to be resolved. And uh, with a, the dismal note, I have to say that uh, I think this is an intractable question. And uh, the, the change in the, the, the nature of this question only can come with a paradigm shift as the big events in the world history uh, the, had happened uh, with the end of the World War One, with the end of World War Two, or with the end of uh, the the Cold War. So, uh, in order to a new uh, the dimension, new horizons, new prospects for the Kurdish question, how it would proceed, 
we need a paradigm shift at the level of what we had before. So the, this is about the, the methodology, the outlook of the book. And, and if I go a bit more into detail before I conclude, the book is structured with three main, excuse me, four main sections. Each section has roughly from four to five or in one section, it's three chapters. Altogether, it's 16 chapters, more or less evenly divided. The first part is the intractable, the, 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 the title is Intractable Conflict. It's about a historical background and the ideological underpinnings of the Kurdish question. The second was, the second part is exploring peace. In that, there are, there is new information on the peace processes that has taken place between Turkey and the representatives of the Turkish Kurdish movement. And the third section is prioritizing war, the failure of the peace processes, the reasons behind those peace processes, how the peace processes were launched and why they failed, and then just analyzing the war aspect, the violence aspect of the matter, and uh, with the background information of the, the uh, uh, Turkish-Kurdish uh, insurgency that has been taking place intermittently, this albeit intermittently, since the foundation of the Turkey, Republic of Turkey, since 1920s uh, until now. And the fourth part is uh, the history of future, the, the title of the, the part, the fourth part, the history of future, which is about today's Turkey, uh, which characterizes uh, the Kurdish question in the context of uh, the kind of regime change Turkey had underwent uh, under the current uh, president, uh, the Tayyip Erdogan. And uh, so it's uh, the analysis of today's Turkey, actually, and the transformation of Turkey in those, uh, in, in that last part, the history of future, you uh, one may not find any reference to the Kurdish question uh, specifically, but it is about uh, Turkey, today's Turkey, uh, the, the, uh, the analysis of the power structure of today Turkey with some uh, prospects to the future, uh, what, uh, within which context the Kurdish question uh, has to be addressed. And in that uh, the paradigm, uh, if I go back to what I earlier had said, that it is no more Turkey's uh, the Kurdish question with uh, the Turkish military presence in Syria against the Kurds. It, uh, the, the Syrian and Turkish, uh, the theaters of the uh, Kurdish struggle intertwined and the, 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 the multitude of uh, the, the Kurdish question for Turkey and for the Middle East as a whole has uh, altered drastically. So then we have the uh, conclusion, a short conclusion, which again, I had, as I had said earlier, uh, ends with uh, an ambiguous uh, note um, uh, about the future. Uh, in terms of the resolution of the problem, because the future of the Middle East is so uncertain and it could take such a long period that uh, the Kurdish question embedded in the Middle East, it, it's, it has part of the Middle East, is, uh, uh, it will be treacherous to make any forecast how it will be resolved and also, it will be again the, the, the treacherous um, the, to make a forecast how it will evolve. It, it leaves uh, it open, ambiguous, and uh, the, uh, provokes 
the minds, uh, and uh, again, but again and again, the book can serve as a the point of reference to discuss and debate. And let me stop here uh, uh, with this introduction that I tried to make, just to stimulate an interactive uh, and possibly a vibrant uh, debate on the, the very uh, essential matter of the uh, Middle East, politically, geopolitically, ideologically, sociologically, uh, for everything. Thank you. Cengiz, thank you so much. Thank you for a wonderful overview um, of what is indeed a very ambitious um, and very comprehensive work. Um, we're very grateful to you for providing that to, to kick us off through our meeting. Um, please, uh, to those of you out there listening and watching, uh, do pose any questions you have to Cengiz in the Q&A box. Um, while we're waiting for those to come in, um, I should have mentioned that as you were explaining the, uh, the 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 publication process and hardback and paperback and such like, you can buy the book at the moment via uh, Lexington through the link on the Middle East Centre's events webpage with a 30% discount. So when the paperback's out, that will be £23, which is not bad for a book of this, uh, this substance and quality, £23 rather than the £30. And um, Jake is, as you were speaking and, and discussing or pointing out that you have no resolution, you're not making forecasts, this is an intractable question requiring a paradigm shift. Um, I, was, I was reminded of a, an observation Eugene Rogan makes in his foreword where he, he kind of concludes by saying, um, I think despite you, you kind of conceding defeat, you seem to feel more frustration than a sense of defeat. Is, is that a fair sense of, of, of where you sit now after nearly five decades of, of covering and analyzing these questions? Is it more frustration? Uh, you, you, it's a sense you can see some hope. Well, um, when I had read that preface, that, that, uh, the, the, um, that um, qualification of Eugene in the preface or in the forward, I should admit that I didn't like it. Because, but reading it over and over, then I thought it, he's right, actually. And going back to, to my own uh, foreword, uh, uh, because Eugene has not gone that far uh, to, to make a reference to the con continuation of my foreword, uh, I do not concede defeat also. I said, I don't regret for anything that has been done. And there, I, there was this um, the, um, quotation from Ishiguro, Kazuo Ishiguro, that um, what we had done was against mediocrity. Uh, at least uh, we tried what is to be done. Uh, and, uh, and therefore, we, without being regretful of, of our efforts, uh, it also, uh, uh, confirms uh, the Eugene Rogan's observation that in the future, uh, those who would uh, struggle for a peaceful resolution or the political resolution of this conflict can uh, benefit from the past experience and all this uh, kind of scholarly uh, works uh, that have been uh, published or disseminated. So uh, uh, he was precise, he was right, but I did not concede defeat. It looked so, uh, if uh, going back to uh, the Sisyphus uh, myth of the Greek mythology, which I had uh, referred to, but uh, with the Ishigoro the quotation in the book, I went further than that and uh, rejected that it's a concession of defeat. But and I have to say, and, uh, not a frustration, perhaps, but it, whether I'm disappointed where the things reach, yes, I am very, very disappointed, actually, because I had struggled nearly all my career for the, the peaceful resolution of the uh, con this conflict, the Kurdish conflict 
my home country, Turkey, but we are not there. We are too far away from it. So it's a disappointment, of course. And also looking at the neighboring Kurdish lands in Iraqi Kurdistan, and which I had struggled a lot for their rights. I have a strong advocate of their rights, and I was a participant of their struggle as well. But where they reached, uh, in terms of uh, the, the uh, well, of course, as an auto autonomous part of Iraq, they are much better off than what they were during, under Saddam. But after two decades of almost two decades of liberation, uh, the way of things, the situation of the Kurdish population of uh, Iraq, and the, the historical everlasting divisions among the Kurds are still there. Uh, uh, corruption is a big issue. So it's not only the, the, the non-resolution of Turkey's Kurdish question is a disappointment for me, but uh, the picture of Kurdistan of Iraq is kind of a disappointment, I, I have to admit, for myself. Thank you. Um, let's take a question uh, we've had coming in from Oscar Gent, which is over the years, how have you seen the Turkish public's opinion change on the Kurdish issue? Or indeed, has it changed at all? Well, it's... Uh... It is very difficult uh, to make a judgment on this because um, the Turkey uh, is a very misleading country um, because when the peace processes had been launched uh, first in the year the, the between 2008 and 2011, although that was secret, but there was uh, a lot of talk um, for a peaceful resolution of the Kurdish uh, issue. Uh, the, the public mood was in favor of it. Although the public did not know about ongoing secret peace talks between uh, the Turkish government and, uh, and the PKK, the Kurdish insurgents the organization. The second was, was publicized by uh, the president himself. Uh, by uh, Mr. Erdogan uh, at the end of uh, uh, 2012, and it was launched on, in the first days of the year 2013, and involved directly, and, and as it is centered upon the main uh, Kurdish insurgent figure who was serving uh, a life sentence, aggravated life sentence in a prison island in Turkey, Abdullah Öcalan. So there were big, big um, hopes uh, raised for that. And so we could deduce uh, from the atmosphere in Turkey that the Turkish public, uh, if not overwhelmingly, but with a safe majority, is for uh, the uh, peaceful resolution of the Kurdish issue. And they, 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 they have undergone a, a profound transformation in the perception of the Kurdish issue. So the Turks, if you would make a survey in 70s, in 60s about the Kurdish issue, this is what? There is no such a thing. And this is in order to, to divide our country. It is fomenting trouble to our society. But in uh, 2010s, the uh, perception and understanding of the uh, Turkey's, the Turks of the Turkish, Turkey's public was has, has gone a drastic and radical transformation for good. But now, in an autocratic rule that Turkey is having, particularly since the year 2016, and with uh, the, the continuous um, the Turkish military excursions, incursions and excursions in, in, in northern Syria against the Kurds, we see that a great majority, not let me not say great majority, but again, a safe majority of the Turkish, in the ethnic sense, Turkish public is for it. 
So what kind of an understanding that they had developed on the Kurdish issue, which made them to appear that they, are, they, uh, uh, they had a very benign sense uh, for the resolution of the Kurdish issue uh, through peaceful uh, methods, uh, led them to be uh, behind uh, the autocratic regime's efforts to uh, confront the Kurdish issue with violence and with military power. Uh, so that's why I'm saying that it is very difficult uh, to, to uh, measure uh, how Turkish uh, public uh, sees and perceives the Kurdish question, whether um, it is uh, developed or not. If Turkey one day becomes again a tolerant and democratic country and uh, get get rid of gets rid of this autocratic the, the ambiance, then we can have a better uh, measure or we can have better in instruments because you can discuss the Kurdish question uh, freely under the, uh, the circumstances that we have in Turkey. For example, many, I, I have been subjected to many questions um, the, whether this book will be translated into Turkey. I said, it cannot be translated into Turkey for a very simple reason. If you don't add the adjective terrorist before uh, the initials PKK, then there are so many clauses in the Turkish penal code which says that even if you are not a member of an organization, you are aiding and assisting the, uh, uh, the, uh, the objectives of the organization and you will be put under trial uh, without being a member of a terrorist organization for abetting terrorism, for aiding terrorism. So in this book, if you speak of Kurdish insurgency and identify with the name PKK, it can easily be interpreted with the uh, current Turkish judiciary as if it is legitimizing a terrorist organization and terrorist activity. So it cannot be translated, which I don't want to put myself into trouble uh, to go under detention or behind the bars. It cannot be translated into uh, Turkish. So, uh, the, but the, 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 this uh, the, the example that I'm referring is just to make it clear uh, that under the present circumstances, under the current circumstances in Turkey, it is undebatable freely, this question. Mm -hmm. So therefore, it is very difficult to measure to what kind of perception the Turkish public has, which would uh, indicate transformation if they really had undergone or not. Thank you, Cengiz. That was fascinating, um, if, if somewhat bleak, um, but related to that, and indeed I think this uh, next question we have, which is from Ronya Chetinkaya, um, I think takes this forward slightly, um, the question being, given the current political developments in Turkey, I imagine that means um, difficulties that Erdogan and AKP may be experiencing, and prospects perhaps for some change. Do you see an opportunity for a new generation in Turkey where the Kurdish question is more included in the political debate or there is more acceptance? I guess it would be interesting to explore um, perhaps how you see the younger generation in Turkey viewing this issue. Again, it is very difficult to assess because um, uh, when we speak of the younger generation, the, the learned generation, if we are speaking of learned generation, there is a strong tendency of uh, the people who have been educated in the universities uh, with a, a clairvoyant mind, the, uh, the, the, the tendencies for many of them is to leave the country because they suffocate and they can't find jobs. So uh, the, the, there is a psychological issue and also there's an economic issue. And that means uh, there is an important uh, brain drain in Turkey. And that brain drain uh, is again 
for those countries, for mainly the Western countries, they 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 move to and look. For example, the 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 the, 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 the two two Turks who discovered the vaccine uh, for uh, for COVID nineteen, they are Turks, but um, they, they did it in Germany because they had the opportunities to develop themselves in Germany. And they have become the, 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 the founders of this uh, vaccine against the, this COVID-19 thing. And uh, so it, it's very symbolic in, in the sense that the brain drain uh, that, um, uh, that is a big issue, uh, not very much addressed, but uh, with some awareness, it's a very important and big issue for Turkey. Also reflects that the new generation who is apt to perceive the Kurdish question uh, in its specifics and have a very clear um, the understanding of it and push for a peaceful resolution of it uh, the, are those who were looking to leave Turkey. So um, in terms of the new generation, the, the, we need the definition. If the, the, uh, so those who might be involved in the brain drain, you, you must be hopeful about them, but how to get them back to Turkey and uh, how to make the free mind and free deb debate to flourish in Turkey, uh, the, that the Kurdish question will be one of the uh, recipients uh, in the good sense of this uh, the, the free debate, uh, which will be conducted by free minds in a free society. So the, for Kurdish question, we need a free society, we need a, a, a free country. We, we, and uh, in the book, it is uh, in many parts, it is addressed that there is a, a strong correlation with Turkey's um, assertive anti-Kurdish uh, policies, uh, resorting to, to violence and military means, and the nature of the regime inside, the autocracy. So these are all interrelated, and uh, therefore when uh, we speak of uh, the new generations, young generations, uh, we have to uh, define it uh, who they are, and and with all the restrictions, imitations that the new generations and many of them are ignorant of the issue. Uh, the ignorance can only be dispelled by free debate, and the, those free minds, as I said earlier, are uh, queuing up to leave the country. So these are the the, the, the uh, negativities that we have to address in order to find the, the real satisfying answer to such question and all questions. Thank you, Genghis. Um, moving to KRG, Turkey-KRG relations, uh, Shivan Fazal, thank you for your question, which is Turkey has taken its war against the PKK in KRI to unprecedented levels in the last two years. The KRG does not seem to have any leverage, despite claims of close partnership between Erbil and Ankara. What is your analysis? Is the KRG no longer that close partner of Turkey's? What is the, um, the last part of the question? Um, is the KRG no longer such close partner of Turkey? By KRG, the, when it comes to PKK, it seems uh, acting as a close partner to Turkey now. Um, the, without uh, the KRG's uh, cooperation, if not coordination, but at least uh, the cooperation, um, it will be very difficult for the Turkish um, the armed forces uh, to move in a, a very uh, difficult territory, which is very mountainous, full of ravines, and the PKK had had its had established its the, the military uh, the presence there since more than two three decades. Even. 
the, this uh, insurgency the, represented by PKK is going on for over 40 years now. And uh, nearly 30 years or so, the PKK is in the military sense entrenched in just adjacent to Turkish border in a very uh, difficult uh, topography. And uh, Turkey is, as um, the, uh, the Shivan's question underlined, is taking unprecedented military uh, moves, particularly through the drones, which Turkey has become a very important developer worldwide. It's even changing the, the balance in Black Sea uh, by its assistance to, you, to Ukraine. It played a tremendously important role for the Azerbaijani victory against Armenia in Nagorno-Karabakh in South Caucasus. And it all, also uh, uh, just uh, 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 made a decisive impact in, uh, in uh, for the withdrawal of the Haftar forces that was encircling Tripoli in Libya, from Libya, from Eastern Mediterranean to Caucasus, South Caucasus to Black Sea, Turkey's drones have been a very effective instrument of war, and they are being introduced massively also in, in uh, northern Iraq or uh, the northern part of uh, Iraqi Kurdistan against the PKK. But uh, you can't win a war only through drones. There has to be a foot soldiers uh, that should be on the ground to move. And uh, the, the, a lot of Turkish uh, military uh, uh, personnel is in Iraqi Kurdistan now fighting against the PKK. So it, it wouldn't become without uh, a certain level of cooperation from the KRG authorities. Because KRG authorities do have problems with the PKK. And it comes, what I have said earlier, to this everlasting uh, divisions that never could be overcome between the Kurds. Kurds are already divided uh, the ethnic the community or a nation. Uh, they are present in Iran, in Turkey, in uh, Iraq, and in Syria. And what they need to uh, proceed uh, the, the, their objectives, their goals, wherever they are, is national unity as much as they could, but they don't have it. And Turkey is benefiting from this and creating even uh, wider uh, divisions uh, between the Iraqi Kurds uh, and, 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 and the PKK itself. So I'm not going uh, who is right, who is wrong in terms of the intra-Kurdish affairs. I'm not going there, but uh, this is the, the photograph, not the picture. It's, this is the photograph uh, with the zoom you, you can have. And uh, the, the, as long as uh, the, 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 this situation uh, does not dras dramatically change, it would exacerbate more the Turkey's moves into Northern Iran, it exacerbates more the, 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 the Kurdish divisions and intra-Kurdish conflict. Uh, it is already uh, playing its hand uh, between the, the, the factions of the PUK of Iraq, between PUK and KDP of Iraq, and with a bearing upon the situation in Northern Syria, where, where uh, it is called Rojava, which means Western Kurdistan. So. The, the Turkish uh, position, uh, Turkey's regime's fight against the PKK has a direct bearing upon uh, the, the, the developments in uh, Syria, the Kurdish areas of Syria, but also it reflects inter, in the intra and inter-Kurdish relations in Iraq and elsewhere. Thank you. Uh, That's why I said that it's no more uh, Turkey's Kurdish problem. Its magnitude is much more wider than it used to be now. You have a second guess the next question, uh, which comes from Paul, thank you, which is about Turkish intervention to the south in northern Syria uh, or Rojava. Um, he asks how you would assess the probability of a new Turkish intervention um, and what you see 
as the favorable or unfavorable factors, I imagine, which will influence Turkey's decision as to whether to extend its, its military intervention in Syria, what form that might take. Well, um, many things in Turkey hinges upon uh, the uh, agenda of uh, President Tayyip Erdogan. He is losing support more and more. Turkish economy is in a very difficult situation. Um, the country is in turmoil in many different fields, but just because of all these reasons, and because it's a presidential system, kind of a one-man rule, uh, the survival of the regime is the priority. Mr. Erdogan's priority is the survival of his regime. Given uh, the ever-deepening economic crisis, and given the clash between the regime in Turkey and particularly the Western world, uh, and about anything else, the United States of America, which is also seen as the umbrella for the Syrian Kurdish rule there and the Syrian Kurdish forces, which Turkey sees as a branch of PKK, which is correct. PYD or YPG is affiliated to PKK. It's, it's, it's an open secret. The, whoever has been, everyone, wants to deny it who are involved in this, but it's, it's an open secret. So uh, in that sense, uh, Turkey's position is, not Turkey's position, but Turkey's um, interpretation or explanation that it's a branch of PKK is correct. It's right, it is. Uh, and so as Turkey goes and calls the PKK is a terrorist uh, threat to Turkey, uh, and to Turkey's territory, territorial integrity. And therefore, the Syrian the Kurdish regions constitute a security threat to Turkey. And Turkey wants to undertake a, the, a, the um, initiative to finish it off. What is, what is the, 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 the deterrent that they are under the sponsorship, military protection, in a sense, of the United States? But given uh, the priority of the regime in Turkey is Mr. Erdogan's uh, survival, his regime survival and his personal survival, and given uh, the, the economic situation is uh, a crisis-laden situation, it's even uh, deepening more and more, and the frictions between Turkey and the United States in general and the European Union is uh, escalating. Uh, in such cases, a legitimate, quote-unquote legitimate, uh, uh, foreign, uh, uh, I'm uh, finding it difficult to find, uh, I'm finding it difficult uh, to get a, a good word for it. Uh, it, is, it is always the case uh, to find an alibi a foreign uh, adventure, if I should say so, as what has happened with the Argentinian regime regarding the Falkland Islands. It defied the United Kingdom. It became its end, but here it's a different case. Uh, uh, Turkey can challenge the United States if needs be, and it did. Uh, with the connivance of Trump administration in the third, third Turkish incursion in northern Syria. So the situation since then, since the last two years, was so much pressing for, uh, for the Turkish regime and particularly for Erdogan in an ever-weakening posture that he has and as much uh, the priority for his survival uh, is uh, pushing him to take even adventures to, to, to challenge the Americans. And, and, and the Americans do not seem to be fighting for the Kurds. Look what happened in Afghanistan. So these are all the calculations 
the Turkish decision makers, primarily Mr. Erdogan is having. And, and Turkey is now, nowadays amassing troops uh, uh, to the Syrian border and signaling that they are ready to move in. Uh, and they're looking for a Russian uh, kind of understanding to because R Russia is there also. And as much Turkey's relations with the Americans uh, are breached, created, uh, the, the new wedges are created between Turkey and its NATO partners, so be it kind of an understanding for the Russians. And the Russians are weighing several options uh, uh, to be, to let, to, to, to give green light to Turkey for such an operation. Uh, to what extent, uh, how much they have leverage on the Kurds that they might lose or not. So it's all matters of calculations, but to conclude, for the Turkish side, for the Turkish regime, it looks that it is a good way to divert the attention from the economic woes Turkey is experiencing every passing day. And it is a good diversion from the frictions Turkey is having with the United States and the European Union for a legitimate cause. What is the quote-unquote legitimate? But what is legitimate about it? To get rid of a national security threat. And um, the, with the, this imperial grandeur, the regime is trying to, to project all the time for the good of Turkey, uh, for its security, for preserving its national uh, the, and territorial integrity. If it needs to challenge the United States, we are so powerful to do that. Kind of a game is this. And so, um, personally, um, I think uh, that a Turkish military intervention into Syria against the Kurds is quite imminent. Uh, and it is very difficult to deter it unless there is a, a united American and Russian position against it. Thank you, James. That's very comprehensive. Um, we have, we just have five minutes left, and we have two questions, so that's beautifully timed. Um, I think we can take them both and wrap up with that. The first comes from my Middle East Centre colleague, Michael Mason, congratulates you on the book, and asks, to what extent do you think that Turkish water infrastructure and the control of water flows, e.g. gap and reducing water supplies in northeast Syria, is, as some claim, an example of Turkey using water as a weapon against the Kurds? Well, the water uh, which crosses uh, Turkey's territory into Syria is the same water that goes all the way to Iraq. And the, the, that water, Euphrates, the Euphrates, when it enters to Syrian territory, it doesn't cross only from the Kurdish areas. It flows through the areas now under uh, somewhat regime control, uh, where the Russian sphere of influence is established. So the, um, the, it's not like the old times when Turkey just closes a tap. It would affect uh, the, the Syrian regime in Damascus and uh, the, the Iraqi regime in Baghdad. Now, uh, if Turkey would do it, just to, 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 to penalize the Kurds or uh, to, have a, uh, uh, to have a deterrent against the Kurds, uh, whatever the reason it might use uh, in terms of uh, its Kurdish policy, it has nothing to do with it because um, the river Euphrates, where it travels from the point it enters to Syrian territory, it flows uh, the, the Syrian regimes and the Russian-controlled territory into Iraq, which affects the Iraqi regime also. So the, 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 the impact would be much more on the non-Kurdish Syrians and also uh, the Iraqis, Arab Iraqis. Therefore, I don't think that uh, the water will be an uh, issue 
uh, an instrument uh, to be weaponized against the Kurds, and Turkey does not need to use weapon against, uh, does not need to use Euphrates River as a weapon against the Kurds, because it uses real weapons against the Kurds. Aircraft, heavy artillery, Syrian mercenaries that they control, and uh, so they have enough, uh, more than sufficient means in terms of uh, the, to weaponize, to use instruments against the Kurds, not the water. Thank you. And finally, um, this one's in the chat rather than the Q&A, but I, we should pose it, um, not least uh, quite an, a neat way to wrap up. Um, and indeed, given the broad historical perspective you offer in your book, um, it's interesting that Zelan Kader asks, will the answer to the Kurdish question ever be a unified Kurdistan? The dismantling of colonialist borders and unification of a people divided for over 100 years now. Well, um, in the introductory statements uh, that we had, um, I tried to refer to it that uh, I left it very ambiguous. So the, the, this is not a book with happy ending. Uh, and that's why I said that the future of Middle East is very uncertain. Therefore, the future of the Kurdish questions resolution the, and also the, the Kurds as a whole, the, it's very ambiguous. And in the book, in the, I think in the introduction, the, the, there's a passage, uh, it's an anecdotal note that um, current president of Iraq, uh, Barham Saleh, who is a personal friend of mine, when we had met in Istanbul many years ago, it was the year 2012, I think, much before he had become president of Iraq, uh, we had an appointment for dinner and he saw me for, from a distance. I was moving to the table that we will be seated together. He rose, he stood up and moved to me with open arms, trying to hugging me and shout, yelling at me, shouting, saying that, Jengiz, the Kurdish moment has arrived. So it was a very you know, optimistic note that the Kurds has moved into the stage of history as has never before. Uh, just making a reference to 20s, 1920s. Uh, so it was his gesture and his optimism uh, shown uh, by yelling out to me that the Kurdish moment has arrived. So in the book, I address to that, but then I, I, I just continue saying that uh, now, in this uh, entering the third decade of 2000s, uh, the, okay, Kurdish moment has arrived, that they are on the stage of history, which was incomparable what they were a century ago, uh, when the Iraq was formed, when the new borders and the countries of the Middle East were formed, but in the year 2020, the optimism of 2012 regarding the Kurds, I'm afraid, is not there. The, the, the future is bleak. It does not necessarily mean that it will be bad for the Kurds, but we don't know. We are not that certain. And so we are, I don't, I, I refrain to, to end with an optimistic not. I, I just wanted to leave it ambiguous. So uh, to respond to the question, if we live to see for 100 more years, uh, uh, to be clear on the answer of this question, we will see what will happen. Thank you, Jenkins. Thank you for such a thoughtful um, and measured answer. And indeed, uh, for all your contributions throughout the hour um, and, and that lovely anecdote about Raham Salah. I, and the, the book is full of such such wonderful anecdotes with uh, many of the principal actors on uh, from the Kurdish parties and front and from Turkish actors also. So it, it's, it's well worth reading for those alone, but also for, for the wonderful analysis and, and, and rich texture that you bring to these very complicated questions. So congratulations 
on the publication of the book. Um, it's a, a magnificent uh, publication. And thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful to see you, albeit virtually. Um, I hope we can welcome you back to LSE next time we see you for an event. I'd be lovely to see you in London. Uh, so thank you again for your, your time and warm thanks also to our audience. Thank you for joining the event and for all your questions also. Um, I'll close the event now. Thank you, everyone, for your time. But most of all, thank you to Jengis. It's been wonderful seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your... Goodbye.